This is According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell, McPherson's sports talk show. Yeah, you come to me today. You want some Parmesan? Yeah, I'll get you some Parmesan. Listen Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, snowshoes, touchdown, Kansas City. According to Jim is your home for the McPherson Bullpups. It's over. The Bullpups have knocked out Fish of the Age. And for the ninth time in school history, the Bullpups stand atop the state of Kansas. Everything happening in the sports world. Oh, oh, are you serious? Slam jam, bear. Get them ready for the NBA Duncan contest. And even some things not happening in the sports world. So you're saying you will not watch any episodes of The Bachelor this year? I think I'd rather have a tooth pull. Now it's time for According to Jim. Here's Jim Joyner and Steve Sell. Let's do this thing, another edition of According to Jim, right here on 96.7 FM KBBE, or for those of you listening online, worldwide, at midkansasonline.com. I'm Jim Joyner, joining me as always, the most popular man at McPherson, Mr. Steve Sell. Steve, (laughs) you you see me over there? I can see you. I'm sitting (laughs) in a different chair. So we're going to have Jerry Fithian come into the studio today and talk a little bit about the Mid-America Classic, and in preparation for that... I had Steve move his chair a little bit, and now all I can see is the top of Steve's head. Good and afternoon. Maybe that's good for you. <laughs> maybe it's good for you. Well, what's the what's the guy's name in Home Improvement? I don't. Is know. it Wilson? That's Wilson. the neighbor. Wilson. Wilson. Yeah, Wilson. <laughs> it's it's the neighbor. You you could just see his eyes. Yeah. That's about what I'm seeing right now. Well, except for I think Wilson wears a hat. Yeah. But you look real good, Steve. Well, I'll sit up in my chair. From the from the bottom of your eyes up, yeah, it's a real good look okay. for you, Steve. Do we have to start taking back some comments that were made about Kansas State basketball? Well, I wrote a, a whole few com- weeks ago. I wrote a whole column taking back things about Kansas State basketball, and right now, what a run they are on! I, I, it's amazing how they have turned this thing around. Of course, let's face it, getting Dean Wade back helped. But even when Dean was healthy. Before he got hurt, they were struggling to score the basketball. And now, uh, you know, he missed six games. They struggled in those six games. You know, they lost their first two games of the Big 12. In game three, they're down 21 at home to West Virginia. As I said, they were ready to flush the toilet, but the handle got stuck. Ooh, that sounds like my toilet currently at my house. Well, yeah. And anyway, they came back. They rallied to win that game. Uh, That was the beginning of a five-game winning streak. They are now tied with KU at the top, and really, they've looked more impressive to me in winning than KU has. Well, maybe the more impressive thing about this K-State, you this K-State team, you mentioned the West Virginia game where they had to come back and win. They win by two. They go up to Ames and they win in the final five seconds. But look at what they've done in the last three games. When you look at the Oklahoma game where they went to Norman and crushed the Sooners, right. then they bring in TCU. And it was a 10-point win, but it was all K-State the entire right. game. Then last night against Texas Tech, they dominated them. They really did. And, you know, like I, I wrote in my column, it's it's an interesting dynamic on this K-State team because they're basically five guards and then Levi Stockard, who all he does is foul, and then um, the other, a McGurl, comes in off the bench. So basically they're five guards, 
James Love gives them nothing. Trice, who was supposed to be their you know big recruit for this year, is giving them nothing. They're basically riding that starting five uh, and, and and ride them pretty hard. I will say that Steve and I were pretty spot on when it comes to Texas Tech in that I think they're a good team. But do you really trust Texas Tech well, I to them, be in first place? I picked them seventh at the start of the year. But do you really trust them? There was no, a moment can't. where they were ahead of KU and people were going, oh my gosh, how is te- Texas Tech, how are they going to hang on? KU, it's, it's going to be tough for KU to even have a chance. I don't trust Texas Tech. If it was Baylor at the top, I would maybe trust them a little bit more. But maybe the two teams right now in the Big 12 that I trust more than anybody are KU and K-State. Yeah. And a lot of that comes from having two good coaches. But number two, especially for K-State, having veteran players. And There's no the, substitute for experience. Exactly. As uh, Doyle Brunson used to say, one of my heroes. And one of the thing that we see right now in college basketball, especially at the highest level, is there aren't that many Seniors. There aren't that many 22-year-old guys, 23-year-old guys playing college basketball at this level where you look at a North Carolina, a Villanova. I don't know if there's anybody on the Duke team that's older than 20 because they're all so young. KU's a young team. That There's something to be said about this K-State team because they're all seniors. They're all experienced. They've played in the Elite Eight. And I think that goes a long way in a league and in a sport where – it's pretty much dominated by 18- and 19-year-olds. And what separates K-State, even from KU and the rest of the Big 12, is how hard they play on defense. Yeah. I mean, like uh, like the old adage goes, your offense comes and goes. You know, some nights you're hot, sometimes you're not. But you can control your effort on defense every game. And K-State really gets after it on defense. They didn't give up 50 points last night. They've had several games, you know, a lot of their games this year where they haven't given up. 55 points in a game or 60 points in a game. They they have really locked down on the defensive end. And Barry Brown right now might be the best player in the Big 12. As I look at K-State's schedule, the next two games are going to be very important for the third game that's on their schedule. So this weekend they're in the SEC Big 12 Challenge, and they will be at Texas A&M and College Station. Then they follow that up with a trip to Stillwater. And... If K-State can go on the road and win both of those games, even though one of them will count toward conference play and not both of them, if they win both games and they go into playing KU at home, I think K-State would have all the momentum going into that. And oh, who knows what KU's going to do over yeah, the next two I mean, games, too. Let's face I'll just say it right now. I just don't think this KU team will win the Big 12. I said that at the start of the year. I do. I, I don't. I don't. I just think there's too many, there's too many distractions around this team. It seems like there's always, you know, somebody doesn't get a play and they're not very happy, and and you know they got guys that are so up and down. The thing KU's got going for it, it never loses at home, and that's that's the thing that always keeps them up top. Now K State's already lost a game at home, but you know where KU has had some troubles winning recently, Manhattan, right. And know forever that and they, I, and that I they never th- lost there. I, I still think they'll end up splitting. I think both teams will win at home. You know, in the home and home, I think both teams win at home. I don't think KU wins at Manhattan. K-State, K-State has had so many games at Lawrence where they should have won and didn't win. You know, Zvi, traveling Zvi, 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, when he took like, I think he's still walking. Yeah, I think he took like six steps on his game-winning shot. An old squeaky Weber, high talker. <laughs> he about lost his mind on that one. But, uh, you know, K-State has really played better than KU in in those games. Well, in the if, recent ones. Yeah, in the recent ones. Even though K-State didn't win some of them, they were really – they should have. They gave some of those games away. So I mentioned the two K-State games that are upcoming. KU still has three games left before they will play K-State. So they've got an off night somewhere in there. Jayhawks at Kentucky this weekend. Probably a loss. Then they follow that up with a trip to Austin. And I wouldn't be shocked to see them not play well always, in Austin. They always seem to have Texas's number for some reason. Yeah. Don't mess with Texas, Steve. Yeah, hook them. Oh, yeah. Hook them. Yeah. And then they will play Texas Tech. So those are three huge games for KU and in terms of what their record's going to look like, their Big 12 record. Then you turn around and have to go to Manhattan after that, and they get a couple of easier games to follow that up with Oklahoma State, TCU, and West Virginia. But these next four games for KU. So let's say they go 2-2. Two and two. Let's say they go 2-2 two and two over these next four games. That would mean probably one or two Big 12 losses. That means you're probably losing one game on the road in Big 12. That could change the season, but... What if KU goes 3-1, and 4-0 over this stretch? And I think a lot of it would start with this Saturday, what they do against Kentucky. But let's say they win at Kentucky and at Texas. What do you think they would do against Texas Tech and then going to Manhattan? Texas Tech's at home. Texas Tech is at home. I, I think That's they, on February 2nd. I what think, day is that? Well, that's a February 2nd, I was thinking. That's a Saturday. Okay. I, I just... I think KU gets Texas Tech at home. I was not imp- I hadn't watched Texas Tech all year to be honest with you until last night. And after watching them play, how they were started the year 4-0 in the Big 12 was a surprise to me cuz offensively they're just not very good. And maybe that's a difference in the Big 12 this year. It's been such a strange season. Well, there's no there's no stars. There's no right. Trey Youngs. I mean, you know, there's no players like that and you got a lot of good players. How many NBA players? I don't know. But it just seems like there's a lot, a lot of parity. And, you know, that's that's kind of the thing that the Big 12's been. It's And I think Fran Fischilla said it either last night or the night before, it is a home team's conference. And whoever dominates at home is going to win the conference. Now, there's been several games this year where the road team has won, especially early on. It right. seemed like the road team was winning a lot in conference play. And now the home teams are starting, uh, you know, to take charge. Do you see this K-State team, the steam running off of them here pretty soon? Or do you think this is a team that will continue to play at the rate that they have over well, the last two weeks? the Big 12 season is so long. You have your ups and downs. They'll, they'll, have, they'll have another lull here, you know, because, again, they're not a great offensive team. Do you think that's something that can hurt them going forward? I, I really do. That's the one thing that hurts – because, I mean, Wade and Brown have to be really good every game. And then either Xavier Sneed or Kamal <laughs> Stokes, one of those two guys has to be really good. Because they get nothing, absolutely nothing out of their bench. I'm going to pull up the games that are happening on Saturday in the Big 12. Because you and I will be a little bit distracted with the Mid-America Classic going on. Because this will be the SEC Big 12 Challenge again. So KU at Kentucky, 
Iowa State goes on the road to Ole Miss, who's actually been playing pretty well. Really good. Baylor will host Alabama. TCU will host Florida. I would think TCU would have a very good chance to win that oh, one. Yeah. Oklahoma State will host South Carolina, battle of two pretty bad teams. Texas going on the road to Georgia, probably should be a Texas win. K-State at A&M. Number one, Tennessee taking on West Virginia. Admiral Schofield. That that one will be ugly. And then OU will host Vanderbilt. I think this is a year that the Big 12 should dominate this series. The last two years, it's been pretty even. And the SEC's had the edge. And the SEC's a lot like the Big 12 this year. I mean, do you see a lot of pros on Kentucky this year? I, I watched Kentucky a couple games. I've not been impressed. Now, there's a few on Tennessee. Yeah. Tennessee is the real deal they for are. those of you that have well, not seen them play the this country, year. For those who don't know, they are number one right now. For those of you that haven't seen them yet, you need to watch them play but at KU, some point this KU weekend. KU did beat them on a neutral court. That's right. But they are rolling right now. So, yeah. I think the SEC made some really big strides the last couple of years in getting close to the Big 12. And last year, I thought the SEC might have, as a whole been better it it was very close but up until then it had been the sec being terrible at basketball once you got past kentucky and And kentucky and vanderbilt and florida but those were the only three that were really giving them any sort of any sort of credit but now there is more balance there are some better teams but even south carolina they were in the final four two years ago they're 10 and 8 yeah so the sec i think has stepped back a little bit and the big 12 has regained its lead, per se, over the SEC, but we'll find out this weekend whether they match up well. Yep. All right, Steve, we're waiting on Jerry Fifty, and we think he's coming in here in just a couple of minutes to talk a little bit about the Mid-America Classic. We'll take a break and be back after this. You're listening to According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by... Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Farmers State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva, Next Tech Wireless, and Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 12.30 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. Back on the Saturdays, according to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE, Jim Joyner, Steve Self. Steve, as we take a look to the fun weekend ahead of us with the Mid-America Classic starting tomorrow, big schedule of games, and we anticipate this girls' tournament being very competitive, and there are so many good teams that are in this field, and we get the feeling that this might be one of the years where the girls' tournament has a stronger field. Now, I don't know if the games will be more competitive because the boys' games, for the most part of the 12 that we saw last week, were very competitive. But I think this girls' field is stronger. And maybe this is a good chance for the McPherson girls to have a couple of statement wins on their schedule. Yeah, and I, I still say the top six teams, really, really good. I mean, the sixth seed is... Seven and three, I believe, or something like that, because you've got the Olathe South is undefeated. McPherson's lost one, Ulysses has lost one, uh, Manhattan's lost three, Wellington right. three. So I mean, Dodge City, I think, has lost four or five. Yeah, Dodge City's five and four. So Wichita I, Southeast won last night, so they are four and six. Okay, I didn't realize they played last. night. Yeah, they played Wichita East last night. Okay, I need to update my story then. Because, uh, come you know, on, Steve. Yeah, well, 
you know how it goes. But anyway, um, really the only two teams, uh, Southeast and Valley, don't see them, you know, being a factor. They're probably going to play for seventh. But uh, Wellington, you know, curiosity, you know, they've been really good in 4A. Last few years, you know, they had the, the Mitchell girl a couple of years ago. Ended up, I think, going to Nebraska, maybe. And, uh, you know, uh, Dave Chartier's granddaughter plays for Wellington. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, Zika, I think her last name is. And I think she's a pretty good player. She's like her mom. She's a pretty good player because her mom was a good player for the Bullpups in her day. Played in the Mid-America Classic. So, um, I think it's going to be a fun tournament. Um, I tell you the team, people better not fall asleep on. I think it's Manhattan. Yeah. I think Manhattan's pretty good. And I think Manhattan could really, you know, give Olathe South a pretty good game in the semifinals because they are on the same side of the bracket. McPherson's looking at the winner of Dodge Ulysses. I think Ulysses beat Dodge earlier this year. I could be mistaken, but I really like that Dodge City team. We saw Ulysses last year in the substate. We saw them at the Classic, too. Yeah, in the Classic. They don't score very much. That's why I think Dodge City will beat them. The Bullpups held them to a whopping 22 points yeah, in yeah. the substate final. Yeah, I, I, and I think Manhattan, Manhattan, I think Manhattan has scored more points against the Bullpups than any team this year. Steve, I made a comment when we were talking at the Optimus Club yesterday. I don't know if you were there at this point. But the comment that I made was, I think this is a real chance for the McPherson girls to pick up some statement wins and prove to some teams that they're the real deal. And you and I get the Kansas Basketball Coaches Association rankings every single week, and we've said it on the show a few times, don't look too much into rankings. The Bullpups are currently 6th in 5A. Mm -hmm. And we keep saying it's not a big deal. Don't look into them. But I think one of the reasons why they haven't moved up quite as much as a nine or an eight and one team that's won six games in a row and has a couple of big wins and their only losses to Derby is that maybe the committee and the rankers haven't seen them with a couple of statement wins recently. Right. Where a lot of their wins recently are in league play. And so this weekend, they have a chance to put a little scare into some other teams at the 5A level, whether that is St. Thomas Aquinas, whether that is Goddard, Mays and Mays South are both very good, Bishop Carroll is good, Heights. Wichita Heights on the girls' side. This is a weekend where the Bullpups, if they can really play their best, come out of this tournament with a trophy, then I think it sends a big message to the rest of the state that goes, the Bullpups are not messing around. Well... If they win the tournament, that means they're going to beat two 6A teams in back-to-back games and going to be a 6A team. Well, three. Well, probably three. Could, well, yeah. They'll play at least two, I would imagine. Yeah, but I, they'll probably play – I think they'll play three. Is What is Southeast? Are they, Wichita Southeast is 6A. They're 6A. So, really, they could be looking at three 6A schools. So, what I mean by statement wins – and I, I think Circle's a good team. I think Augusta's a good team – but they're at the 4A level. And so I think the rankers at the 5A level might be saying, okay, McPherson, you won state at 4A1, whatever. You're up in 5A now. Prove that you belong. And I think this is a weekend that they're not proving it to us. They're not proving it to people that watch them on a regular basis, but proving with a big win posted and a big score posted to the rest of the state. Because I don't know what St. Thomas Aquinas thinks. I know Bishop Miege probably 
knows that McPherson's the real deal. Mm -hmm. And then you look at the programs like Goddard and May South and Mays, and they haven't played them in a while. And they might not know. And part of that is you lose somebody like Taylor Robertson, you lose somebody like Mandy Cooks, and the assumption most years is, how are they going to recover from that? Right. And that might still be the mindset for a lot of teams throughout the state. But a couple of big wins this weekend, and in particular a championship, I think that changes the mindset and the message throughout the state. Well, I think also, <coughs> excuse me, what the, what the rankings do is it shows that 5A West oh, man. is just abs- – or 5A overall, excuse yeah. me. And But just look at 5A West. Most of the teams other than Aquinas are in the West. Right. And 5A this year for girls is absolutely loaded. I mean, it is loaded. And we have talked about it more with the boys in terms of importance of being at home in substate and in the importance of getting good matchups. Because matchups, where you're playing, when you get to substate, can make a huge difference. And especially those teams that are four, five, six, that are hovering around the chance to be able to play at home. And we know what it does to other teams whenever McPherson gets to play at home. We know that it changes the way other teams play. We know it changes the way officials officiate. And McPherson currently is the number five team in 5A West. And there's still a lot of basketball to go. But like Steve mentioned, there are six teams that are 8-2, and 8-1, and 9-1, and 9-0, 12-0. and 0 all on the west side. Yeah. So let's say McPherson even wins out the rest of the year and they're 19 and 1. That doesn't even assure them right now that they would be a top 4 seed. I know. Let's say they're 18 and 2. You get down to 17 and 3 and that number for being at home continues to be harder to get. And some of these teams are going to start playing each other a little bit more and beating each other up and there will be some more losses, but this is a weekend where winning, like with the boys last week, is so important. Well, and I think if the Bullpup girls win the tournament this week, they run the table for the rest of the season. I know, you know, uh, Baldwin, your Baldwin Bulldogs. Baldwin is not as good as they were last right. year. They were and a, they were a good team last year. They were a state year. champion last year, but they lost a lot. Andale's good. Yeah, but they're, they're, they're not in McPherson's class, I don't think. Now, the boys' side, it's going to be really tough. But on the girls' side, I, I just think that... The Andale boys, I think, won by 25 last night against El Dorado. Yeah. So, I just I, I just think that uh, I really believe the Bullpup girls. And, uh, you know, the one thing this girls' team's missing this year is inside scoring. That's the only thing they're missing. They're tremendous defensively. They shoot the three great. They might be even better defensively than they were last Numbers year. Numbers-wise, they are. Yeah, because, because they're quicker. You know, they pressure the ball more. Uh, you know, they're probably more athletic than they were last year. And uh, the only thing they don't have, they don't have that one inside post player that's going to get you eight or ten points. So this is another big weekend for the McPherson girls. The games coming up over the weekend, Olathe South will play the first game tomorrow. They'll take on Valley Center. That's the one versus eight matchup. Manhattan will take on Wellington at 430. Then the six o'clock game is Ulysses and Dodge City. Then the Bullpups will be at 7.30. You might notice a little difference in times there compared to the McPherson Invitational. They always go 90 minutes with the Mid-America Classic, which means they might be bumped back a little bit if games run a little behind. 
Yeah, and, you know, there's always been two schools of thought on that. We ran ahead about 10 minutes, it seemed like, about every game. We were ahead the whole weekend. We were ahead the whole weekend, weekend uh, in the uh, in the Invitational. Um, but I, I the, the, uh, 90, or the 90 minutes is pretty unrealistic to me. It's just games just don't go that fast. But uh, they're not very far off normally on the starting times. So hopefully it'll be another great weekend. And we'll talk about it a little bit more tomorrow as well with the particular matchup for McPherson to take on Wichita Southeast. We might have lost Jerry Fithium. I think he might have forgot. We'll forgive him. Okay. I, w- I was going to make a great joke with him because he was going to sit in the spot that you normally sit, and I was going to say, hey, do you have enough leg room over there? Because <laughs> Steve doesn't require a lot of leg room. I don't require any leg room. Jerry requires a little bit more. Yeah, he does. He's only like a foot taller than me. All right, Steve, let's take one more break. When we come back, something was released yesterday. Some voting was released yesterday that I know Steve was very excited about. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Farmer State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva, Next Tech Wireless, and Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 12.30 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. Wrapping up today's According to Jim, 96.7 FM KBBE. We'll hope to get Sir Jerry Fithian on at some time later this week, or maybe we can get him on at halftime of a game at the Mid-American Classic and Give us a rundown on all the optimists have been doing to set things up. And would have been a fun day today, but we'll miss them. Yes. Steve, the Hall of Fame in Major League Baseball, the new class, was unveiled yesterday. And there were a couple of names that were left off that we can address here in a little bit. But several big names that did make the list. And one of them being the first ever unanimous Hall of Famer, Mariano Rivera, the all-time saves leader. The others that join the ranks there are Edgar Martinez, who has been lingering around the Hall of Fame for the last couple of years, former DH and probably most notably with the Mariners. Roy Halladay, who actually died about a year ago in a plane crash. And then Mike Mussina. So those are the four that are into the new Hall of Fame class. What do you think about Mike Mussina? Do you think he deserved it? I'll tell you, it seems to me... I thought he was a, seems, a fringe. It seems to me the Hall of Fame is getting a little more lacks on who they're letting in. It seems like the standards apparently aren't as high. Edgar Martinez would have never made it on my ballot. This was his final year on the ballot, yeah, too. Yeah, he was, he was a designated hitter for probably the last 10 years of his career. Good hitter, but th- did I think that was a Hall of Famer when I was looking at him? No. Um, who was the other one? Messina, and who was the other one? And then Mariano Rivera, Mariano Roy Rivera. Mariano Rivera should have been a unanimous Hall of Famer. I don't know. There's always been this stigma. They said because Babe Ruth didn't get every vote and Ty Cobb didn't get every vote that nobody should get every vote. Well, Well, maybe they were just stupid back then. They were stupid because Mariano Rivera should have been everybody's ballot. He's the greatest reliever of all time. Um, So I had no problem with that. Roy Halladay. Again, he's another one of those guys. I look at – now, Mucina's got the really good numbers. He won 270 games, and in this era, that's pretty good because... The Moose. Yeah, but he pitched for the Yankees. He pitched for the Orioles. He pitched for really great teams. Uh, 
when I when I watched him pitch, did I think he was a Hall of Famer? No. But he was a really, really good pitcher. I just I just feel like the Hall of Fame is getting very it's getting a little diluted. The, the, I think you just you gotta you gotta be just extra extra special to get in the Hall of Fame. We had this conversation last year, and we're almost out of time in order to have it today. But I still think it's a crime to not have Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds be in the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame. Now their vote percentage did go up this year. They're both hovering right under sixty percent, and you have to get to seventy-five percent of the votes to reach the Hall of Fame. I don't think they ever will. And I just think it's a shame because it's really hard to make the case that Barry Bonds is not maybe the greatest baseball player ever. He's up there. He's the home run king. He stole a ton of bases. He was a Gold Glove winner in the outfield he, he was on, and played for a long time. He was on his way to the Hall of Fame before he did PEDs. I'll just say that. How many people do you think that are in the Hall of Fame use some sort of performance-enhancing oh, there's, drug? There's no doubt there's some in there. We, oh, this is a conversation that's meant for another day, but yep. Kurt Schilling, he was lingering at 61%. I think he'll get in eventually. Roger Clemens, though, too. Multiple Cy Young Awards from... What, 1986 well, it, until about 2005? It doesn't, help, it doesn't help their cause that they're very surly people. Yeah, Barry Bonds is not known as one of the nice guys in baseball. And Roger Clemens isn't Roger either. Roger Clemens isn't either. No, they're jerks. Kurt Schilling is not real well liked right now. No, no. He's very outspoken. <laughs> and, but, uh, no, you could, I don't know. You look at next year's ballot, Derek Jeter is the only one. Derek Jeter. Of all the new guys that are eligible next year for the first time, the rest of them are ham and eggers. I mean, Fred like, McGriff. No, Fred's off the ballot. Oh, that's right. That was his last year. Manny. And Manny, I don't think he's on the ballot next year. I think he's got one more year to go. Well, he was on the ballot this year. Was he? Manny Ramirez, ninety-seven votes. Oh, really? Twenty-three percent. Never have a chance. There you go. Yeah. All right, Steve. We'll wrap up today's show tomorrow. We'll preview the Mid America Classic, all the games that'll be going on inside the high school, what the Bullpup Girls will have to do this weekend. We'll wrap things up for Steve Sal. I'm Jim Joyner. Thanks for listening to According to Jim. We'll talk to you tomorrow. According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell was brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Farmers State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva, Next Tech Wireless, and Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson. Make sure to listen to According to Jim every weekday from 1230 to 1 p.m. right here on 96.7 FM KBBE. Well,